Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Iran's President Ibrahim Raisi visited Damascus about two weeks ago for talks with his counterpart, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. The main issues were economic, but the visit, the first since the Syrian civil war erupted a dozen years ago, also signaled Tehran's growing influence over the Assad regime, secondary only to the Russian rule and the war-torn country's affairs. At the same time, Syrian and Iranian officials huddled with their Russian and Turkish colleagues, while moderate Arab nations met in Jordan to call for Syria's readmission to the Arab League. Do all these simultaneous contacts signal a general rapprochement between Tehran and most Arab capitals, or a more modest move to exploit, of course, the Syrian dependence for Iran's benefit? Joining us to analyze this matter from central Israel is Dr. Meir Javed Anfal, who is an Iran lecturer at Lachlan University. Thank you for joining us, sir. Also joining us from Ankara, Turkey, is Mr. Omer Iskizilchik, who is a foreign policy and security analyst. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thanks for having me. With me in the studio, of course, our TV7 editor-at-large, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding of the current state of play of Iran in Syria. So historically, uh, of course, because of the uh, common enmity with Iraq, which is uh, between Iran and Syria, perhaps going back to Assyria and Persia um, along uh, with, with uh, Babylon. That, that's for historians to say. But uh, in modern times, obviously, there was uh, some um, good connection between Iran and Syria uh, regarding their common enemy, Iraq. Of course, following uh, the uh, Iranian revolution, and because the Alawite minority to which the Assad family belongs is considered uh, affiliated, at least, uh, with the uh, Shiites, um, there was uh, an even tighter connection. Now, with what uh, you uh, described as several developments simultaneously, the question is, if Syria is back in default, if uh, Bashar Assad is now considered uh, a semi-legitimate Arab leader, um, even the Jordanians against American wishes. And the United States, of course, uh, supports the Hashemite kingdom. Without American support, uh, Jordan cannot survive. Even against American wishes, Jordan took part in it. One um, should uh, uh, consider the fact that Saudi Arabia and Egypt and other Arab countries could compete with Iran for influence over Assad. So what we have seen right now is only the first move in a very intricate ploy, which is still unfolding. Mr. J- uh, Dr. Javelin, if I may, uh, what, what is the um, uh, Iranian attitude towards Syria, considering the fact that it has been heavily invested for quite some time now, Uh, in uh, the war-torn country and has been even more so uh, invested in trying to bolster its own presence there, uh, be it uh, by its uh, uh, advisors uh, as well as uh, uh, various proxies, including uh, particularly the Fatimiyun brigades, which have uh, brought also with them all the families from Afghanistan and uh, try to 
uh, increase the Shiite presence in uh, the area of Al-Mayadeen, Abu Kamal, and other areas throughout Syria. Thank you very much for having me. If I can just make one note in relation to what Mr. Amir Oren said. In 1974, Imam Musa Saad, uh, the missing Imam Musa Saad, who was the leader of the Shia in Lebanon, uh, officially recognized the Alawites in Syria as, as Shia. So this is now, it's officially recognized and uh, as, as part of the religion, which is why another reason why the Iranian regime feels an affinity for the Assad regime, although it's not the only reason. Um, I would have to say, uh, please don't be fooled by the smiles and the warm words of uh, President Raisi uh, when he was in uh, Syria. Uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran is concerned. And the Syrian regime wants to open up to the Arab world. Uh, we saw Mr. Assad visiting the UAE uh, twice, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now, uh, as a result of the recent uh, agreement between Iran and Saudi Arabia, the Saudis are now uh, allowed to approach the allies of Iran in this region, and one of them being the, the Syrian regime. And we see the Saudis are trying to bring uh, the Assad regime out from the cold. Um, and as we all know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. The Saudis want to get involved in Syrian economy. The UAE wants to get involved with Syrian, uh, with Syrian eco in the Syrian economy, and that will come at a cost to Iranian economy. Um, uh, that Iranians have had plenty of experience in, in Syria um, uh, with regards to uh, their competition over the years, since, especially since the civil war with Turkish products. When um, There are many Turkish products which are competitors to everyday products Iran sells in uh, to Syria, but the Iranians have seen firsthand how when the Syrian shoppers go to the supermarkets, they, they don't care which country is producing uh, the product, if it's a supporter of the Assad regime or not, what they care about is the price and the quality. And the price and the quality of Turkish products have beaten Iranian products, and Iran has been losing the market to the Turks. And now if the Saudis and if the Emiratis enter, which will, could be the case, Iran is going to lose out more. So the Islamic Republic of Iran is, is, is in fact concerned, and that's one of the reasons why uh, Mr. Raisi was sent uh, to Syria. Indeed, Mr. I'd like to uh, hear your perspective on this, of course, also from the prism of Ankara. Uh, to what uh, degree is uh, uh, the Turkish leadership concerned by the fact that Iran is uh, uh, technically not only on its uh, eastern border, but also on its southern one? So from the Turkish position, it's a quite difficult position. Turkey has to live with Iran, even though Turkey doesn't love Iran at all. And Turkey is engaged actually in a quadruple meeting together with Russia and talks with Damascus as well, trying to normalize relations. And we know that Iran was not part in the beginning of these talks. It was just a three-party uh, uh, negotiations, but Iran forced its way into it, just Iran uh, did years ago with the Astana process. So Iran is always a spoiler actor, always a counterbalance against Turkey, always a rival against Turkey. And there's always this golden rule, wherever Iran is, Turkey isn't, wherever Turkey, Turkey is, Iran isn't. And therefore, Turkey is now seeing how all of this will evolve. Turkey is hoping to find a rapprochement with the Assad regime due to its own domestic political considerations namely the Syrian refugees, the hope to send them back, which I personally attest to be a myth and which will be a big failure from uh, the part of Ankara. However, this is the policy in Ankara at the moment. 
And here I have to underline that I'm not that optimistic that the Arab states will be able to counterbalance Iran or that they will be a real competitor because Iran is playing the long game in Syria for uh, some years now. Iran has uh, indoctrinated the entire uh, bureaucracy of the Assad regime. Iran controls the military apparatus of the Assad regime, except for some special uh, units uh, supported by Russia. Iran is everywhere in Syria, and Iran has expanded its military and uh, social and demographic presence in Syria to such an extent that the Arab states will not be able to compete with it. And just a competition on economical level uh, will not be enough. Iran has not gained economically from Syria so far, and they can live on uh, not winning economically in Syria if they can supply uh, the Hezbollah in Lebanon, if they can expand their Shia militias presence in Syria, and if they can deploy long-range missiles or mid-range missiles into Syria, which they have been trying over recent years. Israel was so far successful uh, achieving this, but I wonder how the, uh, the Israeli airstrikes will continue in, its, in the future if the Assad regime is even more normalized, even more legitimized by the Arab states of the region. Mr. Um, in trying to expand on what uh, Omer just uh, said, um, the special interest that Iran has in Syria uh, compared to, to other parties is that uh, it does not only want bilateral relations with Damascus or investments um, and profits uh, from whatever uh, is uh, happening with the Syrian infrastructure, uh, if it is uh, reconstituted <clears throat> following um, the end of the war. But it wants to use Syria as a launching pad into other parts of the Middle East. And this is special because the Russians or the Turks or the Saudis or the Emiratis um, have a lot of interests, but only within Syria. Iran wants to exploit its presence in Syria for other ends. And um, uh, Omer said that um, Iran has indoctrinated the Syrian military. It has done even more than that. It is indoctrinating Syrian youth uh, school children. Um, if it uh, goes on and on, in a few years, um, many uh, Syrian graduates of high schools will, will have been indoctrinated. Now, when Israel strikes Iranian targets or Iranian proxy targets in uh, Syria, it doesn't um, uh, regard these schools, these madrasas, whatever, as legitimate targets. It only hits military targets. But the um, uh, real danger, what Amr called the long game in Syria, comes from the dawah, from the welfare, from education, from the non-lethal uh, practices, which in the long run could turn very lethal. As part of uh, something that has been, of course, around for millennia, of course, Iran has been very active on the demographic front, uh, something that we, I touched base on at the beginning, and I think uh, all of us uh, discussed, uh, whether it be in, in Iraq, where it uh, uh, utilized uh, Hashtishabi, or the popular mobilization forces, to try and drive uh, Muslim or Sunni Muslim populations from certain territories and uh, uh, swap them with Shia and Muslim uh, populations. We see this more and more occurring, of course, in Syria, where Iran, under the strain of the economic sanctions imposed on it by the West, is able to then uh, provide various uh, 
proxies, uh, of course, uh, lands, uh, uh, providing houses that were formerly of, of uh, Syrians uh, uh, from uh, uh, who ultimately also um, had to flee and, and left uh, Syria, be it to uh, Turkey or elsewhere. Ultimately, Iran is uh, trying to reestablish its culture by inserting more and more Shiite populations in uh, the, the uh, Syrian territory. Uh, to what degree is this uh, methodology that the Iranians have adopted for the long haul, or uh, is this now something that is just in order to meet the needs, uh, so to speak, uh, Dr. Javedan You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It seems on the one hand, what you're saying is that um, they are doing trans population change. Um, I don't know if that's going to be stable. It's going to bring stability in the long run for Mr. Assad, uh, because these people are going to come from uh, Pakistan or, 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 or Iraq or Shia, Shia communities in, in Syria. They will still be foreigners. At the same time, Mr. Bashar al-Assad wants to rebuild Syria. And uh, this is where I differ uh, with, my, with Omer in, uh, in, uh, in Ankara. The economic aspect is important because uh, maybe not as much for Iran, but it is important for Mr. Bashar al-Assad because he knows he's not going to have stability unless all these uh, towns that are destroyed and all this infrastructure that has been destroyed is rebuilt. And Iran does not have all the funds to, to, to rebuild them. And the, certainly Iran cannot do it on credit. According to one estimate from Dr. Falahad Pichet, who is the former head of the uh, National Security Council in Iran's uh, parliament, uh, Syria still owes Iran $30 billion. $30 billion. The Syrians don't have money. So this is where, again, this is where the Saudi and uh, Emirati influence could be detrimental to Iran's interests. Of course, it's not going to eliminate Iran's interests. But the Saudis, by providing loans and grants to the Saudi regime, to the Syrian regime, uh, they will influence, they will increase the influence in Syria. And then on the back of this money, they're going to use their own money that they're going to give this, to the Syrian regime, probably to bring their own companies to rebuild Syria. And I think that's going to give even more leverage to these uh, Persian Gulf countries. And I think this will come, uh, this will be against the interests of the Iranians. Of course, Syria is in the is in the grips of the Iranian regime. Iranian regime has a lot of influence there. But I think with these developments, with these Persian Gulf countries now entering Syria, that's going to undermine Iran economically, especially. And in the long run, it could give give these countries more say over Syria's political considerations. Uh, in the future. Mr. Oskizilchik? So, first of all, I'm uh, quite looking forward to understand how uh, funds and uh, financing investments of, from the Gulf countries to pay off the debt of the Assad regime to Iran will weaken Iran economically. I would, uh, I don't understand that. And secondly, I do not think that the Assad regime has a genuine interest in rebuilding Syria. The first and foremost interest of the Assad regime is to maintain its basis. And here, the demographic aspect is also important. As we know, currently, Syria is divided into three. The oppositional areas have an increase of population from 1.5 million to approximately 5 million. The YPG areas remained at a stable 3 million. And the areas of the Assad regime have lost 40%, almost half of its population, and is now approximately 8.5 million people there. And uh, if you have strategically located people, if you in, in, indoctrinate and infiltrate uh, institutions, the bureaucracy, you control the state and 
SOPA, it's, uh, I always joke, the Arab states are speaking with Assad regime to limit Iranian influence uh, in Syria, and the person they are speaking to is an Iranian agent, and uh, they work for Iran, because, they, for instance, Faisal Mikdad, he was put into his position as foreign ministry by Iran. It was uh, an in inside job of the Iranians, and uh, there are more, much more uh, uh, personas the Iranians have supported and establishing the state uh, of the Assad regime. And here, I think from the past, we can learn as well. Before the war in Syria even broke out, the Arab states and the Gulf states were not quite successful in limiting the Iranian presence in Syria. And they did not well on counterbalancing Iran in Syria. And now, after all of these years, after Iran has entrenched itself, how will they succeed? It's a big question. I don't think the Arab states are capable of doing. And last but not least, this argument that Arab states can counterbalance Iran and Syria by engaging with the Assad regime was pushed forward mainly by the United Arab Emirates, the state in the Gulf, among all Gulf states who has the warmest relations with Iran. So it always wonders me how genuine and uh, sincere these arguments are. Dr. Javed Ansar, your response? Uh, yeah, in terms, thank you. Um, that, you know, in terms of uh, serious debts to Iran, the, the argument I'm making is that the more, um, the, the, this is one of the reasons why it's very important that they get most of the contracts in Syria because they want to recoup some of their debts from the Syrian regime. And if companies from the from the Persian Gulf countries enter and, and take some of the projects that would go to Iran away, and for themselves, that would come at a cost to Iran at a time when Iran is in uh, as in financial straits and it needs every dollar that it can get. Um, and I think this is this is the most important issue. I'm, nobody's talking about replacing Iran. I, what I'm what, I, what I'm what I'm referring to is reduction of Iranian influence. Nobody's saying that Assad's going to turn against Iran. At this point, he can't do it. He's dependent on them for 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 ground forces. But but you know Assad. I, I believe that wants to rebuild the country because he wants to stabilize his regime. And uh, I think that uh, any influence that the Persian Gulf countries can have through uh, their economic might in Syria and economic influence, that will translate into also political influence. And I think both economic influence and political influence, as limited as, limited as they may be, I think that will not be in the interest of Iran. Mr. Oskizilchik, your response? Okay, I, I personally think that this uh, reduction of Iran will come to a much higher cost uh, because the more the Assad regime is legitimized, the harder it will be to strike Iranian proxies in Syria, the harder it will be to strike Iran in Syria as the Assad regime will more and more considered as a legitimate actor in the region. And we know that the stronger the Assad regime has become over the recent years, the stronger Iran has become. And I do not think that we can uh, differentiate between the puppet and the puppet master. Uh, if the Assad regime gets stronger in Syria, Iran gets stronger in Syria, and it will be harder for Israel to target its, uh, Iranian targets. And I also expect that Iran will become a much bigger threat towards Turkey, who is now trying to normalize relations with Assad regime. Let's say, what if these talks fade? And we have a new escalation dynamic in which Arab states have normalized with the Assad regime, and Iran can use its full military might against Turkey in Syria and will threaten Turkey. As we know, Iran has also a presence, military presence close to the Turkish borders. So therefore, 
I am very, very spec uh, skeptical about the current process. Very interesting indeed, Mr. Owen. Well, Iran, Turkey, the uh, Persian Gulf or Arabian uh, Gulf countries, Israel, these are all regional powers. There are the uh, greater powers, the United States, China, Russia. And uh, one wonders whether what we see now as uh, an American-led bloc against the two other uh, bigger powers, China and Russia, perhaps China, China dominating, Russia playing second fiddle. How does that fit into what happens in Syria, including the Iranian influence? Because up to now, when uh, Syria um, is told by the Arab countries that all foreign forces should leave it, Assad um, usually responds, I have invited um, Russia and Iran. All the others are uh, interlopers, are invaders, but these two, I want to stay. And one wonders what will happen when Russian and Iranian interests collide. Of course, uh, it was quite interesting. First of all, uh, deputy spokesman of the U.S. State Department, uh, Patel, Vedan Patel, uh, noted quite openly, of course, the United States stance where it will not normalize relations with the, United, uh, with, uh, uh, the Arab Republic of uh, Syria. And it will, of course, continue to engage with the United Nations under U.N. Security Council Resolution 2254. But at the same time, uh, we hear the Arab League, which usually has been uh, more acquiescent uh, to Washington's request, uh, a, a different tone this time. Uh, while it does request, of course, that uh, the, the normalization with uh, Syrian uh, uh, regime of President Bashar al-Assad will be uh, normalized within the context of UN resolutions, international law, and other aspects thereof, uh, we do see that the Arab League uh, has already made that interim step where the foreign ministry already adopted uh, the reinstatement of the Assad regime into the Arab League. And we know that whatever is temporary is all ultimately going to hold. Well, you know, the Arab League, uh, of course, uh, has to work with a broad consensus common denominator. Even more important is the GCC, the Gulf Cooperation Council, which is the moderate Arab bloc under American auspices. And they, uh, too, um, have decided that they want Syria back, even though it is still radical. Indeed. Well, one thing that uh, I find quite interesting, and, and I'm curious to hear uh, your perspectives about this, is uh, the matter of fact that uh, Iran ultimately also seeks not only to counterbalance Israel, but it seeks to counterbalance Turkey. Uh, one of the, the main equations here is, of course, uh, Turkish presence in Azerbaijan, the, the close pact between the two countries on the northern front, which may have some uh, uh, consequences on that front. Does Iranian presence and aspirations to bolster its presence in Syria seek to counter that equation as well? Dr. Javed Anfa? The, the Iranians see uh, the Turks as uninvited guests in Syria. They're competing with them in Azerbaijan. There's a link. They, of course, they, they, it's a very unwelcome intrusion, the, the way they see it, of, of Turkey into Azeri affairs. Iran now basically has two borders with, uh, with Turkey now. One is the Iran-Turkey border, and now the other one is the Iran-Azeri border. Um, the Azeris have very good relations with the Turks. 
President Erdogan also said this poem about uh, Turkey, Azeris longing to be reunited with their brothers across the Aras River, which drove Iranians crazy, and I can understand that. Uh, so in in, Tur- in in Syria, they see basically the Turks also as an uninvited guest who want to influence the issue in Syria, the, the matters in Syria. But, you know, the way Iran treats Turkey is very different. Iran has to be very, very careful in the way it handles its relations with Turkey. Turkey is a very important country until now. It's been a main source of income, one important source of income for Iranian gases, gas exports. Many of much of the uh, Iranian non-oil exports transported via land from Europe have crossed over Turkey. Iran cannot mess with the Turks. That that's uh, one cat the Iranians don't want to mess with. So they compete with the Turks. They sometimes even you know uh, take counter act- actions. Uh, in order to counterweight the Turks, but they have to be extremely careful, especially now that after the 2020 war in Azerbaijan, uh, between Azerbaijan and Armenia, the Azeris have uh, liberated lands that's basically the Iran-Armenia-Turkey, uh, Iran-Armenia border. And if the Azeris built the Zangezur corridor, which connects uh, all the way across the border between Iran and Armenia, Iran will lose its border to Armenia. So that means that's another border Iran's lost to the to the Europeans to the to the Turks uh, via the Azerbaijanis. So the Iranians have to be very careful. Can I just make one point here about the issue? We of actually China? don't have I very much one. time. Unfortunately, we have roughly one minute left for Mr. Oskizilchik. So I'd like also to hear his uh, uh, perspective on this matter. Go ahead. So we know that Iran wants Turkey to go out of Syria, and it was also recently stated by the Iranian uh, officials that. They want to see Turkey out of Syria, and now they are trying to negotiate this with Ankara. And we know that the Turkish elections uh, will be an important factor here. We know that the Turkish position has always been saying that they want to uh, leave Syria with securing some guarantees, and the Turkish ruling party had a, a approach of staying in Syria until a political solution is, is being reached. So Iran will try to use the domestic political landscape in Turkey for its own benefit. And the benefit of Iran is to uh, enforce Turkey to withdraw from Syria. Once Turkey withdraws from Syria, uh, I think that Iran will have a much more easier hand and will uh, gain much more in the region and will try actually uh, to use Syria to counter uh, Turkey's success and victories in Azerbaijan. And do you see this happening, actually, a Turkish withdrawal anytime soon? So I do not think that the Turks can withdraw because of the huge population there. I wrote about this. There are five million people living in the Turkish protected areas. If Turkey withdraws, all of these people will flee towards Turkey. And this is something the Turks that cannot is, do, indeed. even if they would like to do. But this is the, something the Iran's will push for. And I'm uh, always... Uh, afraid that there might be a new military escalation in which we might see a new humanitarian disaster in northwestern Syria. Which you, of course, mentioned in your uh, last report, which you published, uh, which uh, I, I happen to have read, among others. But uh, unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Javedan Fal, uh, Mr. Oskizilchik, and Mr. Owen for being part of uh, today's panel. And I'd like to thank all of you at home as well. Until next time. Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. 
For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.